0: The battles that Israel fought, the worshipers went first. The worshipers were at the front lines of the battle, and the battle turned to the Lord because we worship in our lives. When we worship, the battles in our lives turn to the Lord. The victory of the Lord is ours through worship. Amen? want to open us up in prayer heavenly father i just thank you for this day that you've made for us to rejoice in you and be glad in you lord i just pray that i decrease and that you increase lord god that what we hear and see is your word come alive lord because it's infinite it's incredible lord it's so deep We continue to look into it and see that you are for us. You are coming before us. You're behind us. You're protecting us. You're surrounding us. You're loving on us. God, you're an amazing God who lives from heaven above with wisdom for us and power for us and love for us. So God, we thank you for being together today as family to enjoy your word and to enjoy the fellowship of each other. We just pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' precious name I pray. amen. Amen. You may be seated. I just wanted to to tell you a story about a Jewish businessman. He was here in the United States, and he decided to send his son to Israel. And if you haven't went on one of our Israel trips, I I really, really recommended it. Pastor Carol Ann and I went a couple years back, and it was amazing. So this businessman sent his son to Israel, and he wanted him to absorb the culture of his homeland. When the son returned, the father asked him to tell him about his trip. And they said, Pop, I had a great time in Israel. It was amazing. By the way, I converted to Christianity. Father's father was like, whoa, what have I done? So the father decided to go and ask his friend Jacob what to do. And Jacob said, funny you should ask. I, too, sent my son to Israel, and he came back a Christian. So. They both thought about it for a while, and they said, you know, maybe we should go to the rabbi and ask him what we should do. So they went to see the rabbi, and the rabbi said, funny you should ask. I, too, sent my son to Israel, and he became a Christian. So then they decided, well, you know what we need to do? We need to pray and ask God. We need to go before God on our knees and ask him what's going on. So the three of them got together and they explained the situation to God and and they prayed and and they asked what he should do. And suddenly this voice comes out of heaven and said, funny, you should ask. I sent my only son to Israel, too. (laughs) And he started Christianity. (laughs) You know, tonight I'm going to make three points that I think God wants us to hear his voice in. And the first is, will the world recognize who you've been with? Will they know who you have relationship with? So I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read some verses starting in verse 27. Above all, above all, you must be citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the good news of Christ, Then, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Paul's in prison. He says, if you do those things, I will know you're standing together with each other in one spirit. And you've got one purpose. Fighting together for the faith. The faith, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Do not be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that you're going to win and they're going to be destroyed. It's also that you're going to be saved by God himself. For you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We're in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past, Paul said, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Can I share something with you tonight? Ministry's not for wimps. It's for warriors. And we're all in the ministry. The word ministry simply means to serve. That's all it means. And think of Jesus and how he served up his life for us. You know, the letter to Philippians that Paul was writing was just one of the letters he wrote from prison. In this case, he's in Rome. Previously in Acts 16, 12, he was with Lydia and the Philippian jailer in the family. And they were all converted to Christ because he was in prison. Sometimes we don't understand the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But God does understand and God does have a purpose. And God will come through victorious. Because that's the kind of God we serve. Now it's a few year, years later in Philippians chapter 1. And the church is well established. And I guess you could really say in Philippians that it's victory through suffering. And Philippians is a book about Christ in our lives. In relationship. Christ in our mind and having the mind of Christ in us. Christ is our goal in life, seeking Christ with all that we are and all that we could be. Christ is our strength through everything and the joy through suffering. If you look at the book of Philippians, it continually talks about joy. Paul was a prisoner in the jail, but he was free in his spirit. The letter shouts with triumph as you read it, and it shouts with freedom. Think about the first time in Acts where others were freed because of Paul's obedience. The words joy and rejoice appear frequently. Philippians 1:4, my spirit is lightened with joy wherever I pray and whenever I pray, and I do so constantly for you. Even in his difficult times, Paul. Was lifting up others and thinking of others, thinking of his spiritual children. He remained faithful. He realized that the kingdom message, the message of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, was more important than any one person, any one messenger. Imagine Paul so humble that he realized his life was out of service. Paul uses his own willingness to sacrifice himself if necessary as a model for those who are going to come behind him. And he models servant leadership. Someone said if you're too big to serve, then maybe you're too small to lead. He directs them to be good and faithful citizens of the heavenly kingdom, citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Do you understand that we serve a king of kings and a lord of lords while we're on this earth, and he's calling us to himself eventually when our time is up? But in the meantime, we actually walk through this earth as citizens of the most high God, the one who created everything, the king of all kings and the master of the universe, the Lord God himself. But Paul's service, he not only served and survived, but he thrived. Think about the challenges he went through. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He, all kinds of things. And yet he thrived through that. And we have to have that attitude that I'm not just surviving in this world. I'm going to thrive through this world because I belong to the king. <laughs> And he chose us. He chose me. He's so awesome, so amazing, so wonderful. You know, you could say that Paul's life had been touched, but you could say forget touched. He was literally knocked off his high horse. And he had to face the fact that Jesus was alive and was a king of kings. And he knew that he had to place his life on the rock of ages. You know, the last song we talked about or sang about today was about the rock, the solid rock, the chief cornerstone. So the second question I'd have for you is, does the world know that you've had an encounter, an actual relationship with the living king, Jesus? Not only whose presence you've been in, but you have you had that living encounter like Paul did. And how could Paul possibly deny it after what God did in coming to him and saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Whatever our circumstances might be, we become overcomers with the mind of Christ living in us. Amen. Philippians 1 6. I am confident. I am confident that the Creator who has begun such a great work among you will not stop in mid-design. Whatever He's begun in you, He's going to finish it. But will keep perfecting you until the day Jesus, the Anointed, our liberating King, returns to redeem the world. We're not just occupying space. We're in the midst of a spiritual war, and we're following the captain of the host of the army of God, which is King Jesus. And we will see victory as we stay in unity and love for each other. You know, the very first church that I was blessed to actually be taught in, taught the word of God, was in San Jose, California. And there was a young pastor that came from Greeley, Colorado, named Dan Greenley. It was a Pentecostal holiness church, maybe 100 people when I first joined. And it grew to be the largest church of its denomination, west of Missouri. But it wasn't an easy challenge to overcome the attacks of the enemy. At one point, my pastor had went to one of their annual conventions. And one of the men stood up and said, this is our holy manual. And my pastor stood up and said, this is the holy Bible. And that's what we're going to follow. I'll tell you what, he was lambasted and persecuted, and but God blessed him to continue to grow because it was upon the word of God, the rock. It was upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't upon the traditions of man. It was on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In that same fellowship, we had a guest speaker come. When, in, fact, in fact, he was there an entire week. It was an amazing, amazing time. Maybe you've heard of his name. His name was Luis Palau. You can actually look his life story up on Amazon Prime. Luis, at the age of 10, lost his father. Age of 12, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. At the age of 19, he began to preach on the street corners and had his own radio program. You know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't look down on our youth. Our youth are the future. (laughs) We have an amazing youth program here with amazing leaders that dedicate their lives, and they are the future. Now, Luis came from Argentina, and the religion of that country was 95% Catholic, and he didn't really appreciate him not coming into line. So, Luis, like the Apostle Paul, found himself locked up in a jail cell. And in that cell, he was kind of a pain in the neck. He was kind of a problem. (laughs) Inmates were getting saved left and right. And finally, the jailer came to him and said, Luis, what are we going to do with you? Luis said, Warden, that's not my problem. If you leave me here, I'm going to preach Jesus. If you kill me, I'm going to be with Jesus. You figure it out. (laughs) He went on to reach millions, literally millions for Christ before he went into the arms of Christ this March. So what is a Pentecostal preacher from Colorado who stood up to his denomination and put the Bible first and a small boy born in a village outside of Buenos Aires, Argentina, who became a man who spoke spoken to the hearts of millions and into my heart have in common with the apostle Paul. The answer, they'd been living in the presence of Jesus Christ. They had a living relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 10 from the Message Bible tells us that in that relationship with Jesus Christ, these men could not and would not deny the love of Jesus that they had experienced. And they wouldn't deny that love to others. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workmen took one look at it and they threw it out. The religious threw it out. God set it in a place of honor. It says, present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary Vibrant with life. I'd say it's pretty vibrant here. Present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life. The truth of the matter is the building isn't the church. You're the church. And if you look back at that first verse, it talks about living in one accord. And then it goes on to say, in which you'll serve as holy priests. Have you ever thought of yourself as a holy priest? God sees you. 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9. The scriptures provide precedent. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honor. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust in him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, well, that's the one the workmen threw out. But it's now the foundation of the faith. For it's untrusting, it's a stone that we trip over, a boulder that's blocking the way. They trip and they fall because they refuse to obey. You know, they mentioned me giving the church. I didn't give the church. I just obeyed God. And do you know you can never out give God? He said, test me and try me. You cannot outgive God. I am most blessed. Amen. It goes on to say, but you are the ones chosen by God, Amen. chosen for a high calling of priestly work. Look it up 1 Peter 2 4 through 10. You are chosen as priests before God. And you can study what it means to be a priest, chosen to be a holy people. Not because of our righteousness, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's instruments to do his work and to speak for him, to speak for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. You know, the world might say you're nothing, but God says, hey, you're something. The world might reject you, but God says, hey, I'm accepting you. I love you. You're my child. Accepted by the King of Kings. I'd like to share a story from Pastor Carlton Saunders. It was the middle of the week in the mid-1940s. A middle-aged man knocked on a church door in Brooklyn, New York. The door opened, and this man asked to speak to the pastor. He just made a simple request. He said, Pastor, if you don't mind, I'm really not here to meet with you or to disturb anyone. I just wanna sit in your sanctuary and meet with God. It was obvious from the looks of this man that he was stressed out, and it seemed as if the weight of the world was on his shoulder, and indeed it was. As he sat down, he knew he needed to meet with God because the decision facing him could cause him to be blacklisted. It could cause him his job, even to lose his job and be banned from his own industry. But he also knew that this decision could change the trajectories of human history in his industry. So he needed to meet with God and get courage. He needed to move forward with his convictions. Think about that. All he wanted to do was spend time and meet with God. He sat there for a couple of hours, praying, talking, listening to God. and Then he grabbed his hat and he left. A couple of weeks later, that man, Branch Rickey, would sign Jackie Robinson, the first African-American man to play in modern major leagues. That decision took the loving courage and the voice of the living God. Look back at Philippians 1.18. So what do we do then? And it says, listen. You know, sometimes when we don't know what to do, We need to do the hardest thing, Pastor Doug says. And sometimes the hardest thing is to stop and actually listen for the voice of God. So what do we do then? Listen. You know, we have a culture right now that's shouting a lot. And we need to listen to God. What matters is that in every way, regardless of the motives, whether pure or shady, The great story of the anointing is a cause for joy, and I will continue to rejoice in him. We need the courage to love, to do the right thing, to go against a cultural norm that opposes the truth of Holy Scripture, predisposes challenges for us just like Paul and Jesus, but we need the courage to love from Jesus and to walk against the tide of a culture that demeans anyone that opposes it. You and I all face the same challenges, the same trials, but we need to have that same loving courage that Paul and Pastor Dan Greenlee and the man that said, can I just sit and pray? That courage. Someone wisely said one time that if you're not colliding with the devil, then you're probably walking in the same direction. If you're not running into him, you're probably walking in the same direction. We need the courage to, of God to love and face the barriers and obstacles of life that others don't have the grit to face. It means looking yourself in the mirror and deciding in the face of doubts and risks and sometimes seemingly overwhelming obstacles that you will decide, I am moving forward. So we don't get to act like those who follow the darkness. We don't get to storm buildings and abandon our way. We don't get to shout down others or become vulgar and cuss and demean them. When we hold up a sign, it simply says, Jesus loves you. All life is precious. The courage to love is patient. The courage to love is kind. The courage to love isn't envious, doesn't boast, brag, or strut about. There's no arrogance in the courage of love. The courage of love is never rude, crude, or indecent. The courage to love is not self-absorbed. The courage to love isn't easily upset. The courage to love doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice. The courage to love celebrates truth. Yes, truth is love's delight. The courage to love puts up with anything and everything that comes along to speak that love. The courage to love trusts, hopes, and endures no matter what. The courage to love will never become obsolete. Does the world know that you have the courage to love like Jesus? Tonight I have posed three questions to you. First, does the world around you recognize you've been in his presence? Does it know that you've had an encounter with the living God who reigns, and when his light comes, the darkness flees? Does the world know that you have the courage to love like he loves you? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. (laughs) I thank you for those that have walked before us, Lord God, and lived out this word. I thank you for our pastors and our congregation that walk every day in this word. Lord, continue to encourage us to say, I'll have that grit. I'll move forward. I'll obey. I'll know that you walk with me, that I'm never alone. Father, this is an incredible family that you've given us. And we thank you for what you have done, are doing, and will do. We're just beginning. It only gets better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll stand with me, I'd like to go ahead and say the bridge builder mantra. Go ahead and stand up. And as I did last time, I'd like to say it a little differently because we serve the great I am, and it starts with I am. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent God's gentleness to myself and others. I will live out his gospel. I'm blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. God loves you. We're so glad you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision, whether that was dedicating your life to Christ or rededicating your life to Christ, send us an email at info at and let us know you made that spiritual decision. Also, if you're joining our Bridge Church family online for the first time, we have a very special gift for you. Send us an email at info at to share some information on where we can send you that gift. We're so glad you joined us today, and we can't wait to see you soon. Be sure to stay connected, because we are so much better. Together. together.